it's just so um and those women happen to be some of our biggest champions because they realize and they understand how important these things are and it's not just about us right as Titus two women we're called to share with those who are younger than us that may be younger in age or younger in the lord or younger in our marriage whatever um, so we all have a calling to speak well of marriage and to encourage that in our, in our culture, in our society, in our lives. So it, it does apply to everybody. Uh, of course, uh, have more meaning to some than others, but I hope that you will get something out of this morning, no matter where you are in your life. So if you turn to Genesis with me, Genesis 2. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpful helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, what I want to really look at out of this verse this morning is the word helper. Some people have kind of uh, taken that word and called it a helpmate. That kind of sounds like shipmate, right? Just somebody to do the chores. <laughs> do chores, take care of the kids, cook the dinner, you know. But that's not at all what this word means. When we look at other translations, that word helper actually means someone who's suitable. The New King James calls it comparable. The New Living Translation says, just right. His spouse is just right for him. ESV calls it fit for him, fit. Corresponding, counterpart, companion. None of these words say helpmate to me. None of these words are demeaning. This is God's plan for the woman. We're going to talk a little bit about that. This is our assignment as women. It is a good thing. You know, some uh, cultures kind of minimize that, made it sound like it's less than. But you have to remember that Jesus loved women. He loved children. He loved the poor. He loved the ill. He loved everyone. There is nothing in his the recount of Jesus' life on earth that shows that he thought any less than one person over another. He hated hypocrisy. He hated sin, but he loved people. And he included women in his ministry. He was kind to them. He spoke with them. You have to remember, in his culture, men, women and children were not even spoken to. And Jesus broke through all that. He broke through the culture to show his love and concern. And this is God's desire. Jesus' desire is that there's a, a difference between men and women. They have different roles, but that does not make one less than the other. They are important roles. Cannot have two heads, ladies. That's just the way it is. Um, so this, this concept of help me means to complete. Means, means to love, means to obey, obey God in the, and in that obey our husbands. 
It means balance. We're not a servant. We're not a robot. We're not his housekeeper. We are his helpmate, meet. So make sure that you remember that word, help meet. And when you look at the word for, you know, she, she was made a, a help meet for him. That word doesn't mean to be owned by, right? Here, here's a piece of property for you, for you. It means an addition. This is for you. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing, an addition. So God created man. He created, created woman. He created their roles. And then man fell apart, right? We had the fall. And so um, Satan right away knew that this was something he did not want to happen. He did not want this to be strong. So he steps in, he deceives the woman. And in turn, she reaches out to her husband and she, he follows her along in sin. And we have the fall and chaos actually is created. There's no, now everything's out of order. And the, um, the consequence of the fall for the woman is that she will want to rule over her man. So it's upside down, even though God created the man to rule, to have authority, She's going to want to fight that. Anybody felt that? Yeah. We all struggle with that. We want to be out of order. We want to put him in his place. We want to rule over him. We want to teach him. We want to control and manipulate him. After all, we are smarter. <laughs> we are wiser, right? Well, for one, well, we'll get into it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but we want to dig our heels in, right? We don't like it. We fight against it. So our battle as Christian women is to be aware of where we fall short, be aware of what God has called us to. So we are very different, men and women, in very distinct differences. That's not news to you. It's a little confused maybe in our society, but as Christians, we know what a man is and we know what a woman is. And what do people do with differences? Well, in our human side, we divide. We make fun of, we use humor to make fun of, we hold the other different person in disdain, we think less of them. We see this a lot, a lot of humor is men against women and women against men. If you watch any, any comedian, that's what makes people laugh is those differences. But God intended those differences. And Satan tries to use them to tear us apart. So, um, you know, whenever I do men and women, the differences between men and women, I have ladies say, well, I'm not like that. My husband's like that. There is crossover. Opposites attract. So, it, you know, usually you will see one side or the other. But generally, um, these are some things you'll see in your guy. Generally, the man is much more mechanical. We'll call him the mechanical man. And the woman is much more emotional. We'll call her the sensitive woman. So um, a man tends to manage things on a practical level, whereas a woman tends to want things to feel right. One application of that would be, let's say you want to buy a new house. And if he's managing on a practical level, he's thinking, you know, what is the mortgage going to be? Where is it going to be close to work? Um, you know, is it a good neighborhood? He's looking at, he's looking at the bigger picture. 
And what does the woman say when she drives up? Oh, I just love the landscape or I love the front door or this feels like home, right? And all those other things can go to the wayside if they fit, if they make her feel right. That's just the way we are. You know, I want it to feel like home. Well, this doesn't feel right. I don't like this. Yeah, he says, but it fits all the criteria. Yeah, but no, it just doesn't feel And so there's a big difference there in the way we see things. Our guys are motivated by challenge. They love to set goals and conquer. Women tend to be a lot more security-based. We like to get nestled in and things are going to stay the same and we don't want to move and our families here and our children and they have their school. This is also perfect. And we want it to be secure. We don't like change. So that is a big, big difference. And when, it, when push comes to shove, when a decision needs to be made, we are his help me and we're to go his way. So if he wants a new job in a new city, we need to follow. He is not here to be our help me. We are to be his. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a guy who, you know, your guys care about what you want, but our decision, we put ourselves under his authority. He can't grab that from us. He cannot yank that from us. It's something we have to be willing to give. And the rewards of doing that with our guys is immense because it shows him that we trust him. We're willing to follow. And the goal setting thing is big. Um, Y'all have been here for a while. You know, my husband was a very bad accident about five years ago. We almost lost him. And uh, he was in the hospital unconscious for six weeks and took him three months to get home. And uh, when he got home, he was so weak. Uh, My daughter and her husband actually moved in with us. Our husband was an EMT at the time and big strapping dude. So it was just awesome because I had both of their help. Um, but he started feeling bad. And at the time he was very, very soft too, much softer than he'd ever been. Uh, but as he got better, that disappeared. He even said to me the day, he said, I'm back. I said, no. We <laughs> <laughs> were talking about the lesson. He said, yeah, but you know, okay. I, but the journey back has been hard because I had been given every, you know, all control. And then I had to get it back. And it was so hard. That's hard. It's so hard. And then he uh, started setting goals for himself. Well, I'm going to climb Mount Whitney. You're going, what? <laughs> Mount Whitney is the largest, uh, tallest uh, mountain in the United States. Okay. So I didn't argue. And he put himself through, through some grueling training. And sure enough, uh, thankfully, my daughters wanted to go. So three of them went up. And um, they did that two years in a row. And this year was supposed to be a mountain in Colorado, but he decided to open a second company. So now he's another goal, another thing he's always wanted. So, you know, part of it, I think, is just getting older and you want, um, you know, there's just things that he he wants to get accomplished. But this, this, this idea of having a goal and conquering it, ladies, we can squash that so easily. We can squash that. And that is not our job. You know, we can voice our concerns. We can talk about it, but it's not our job to squash him. You guys, a lot of you know, Lee Sumner, she calls it wing wing clipping. She said, you know, you guys going to spin out hundreds of ideas over the course of a year. Just be quiet. You know, how many of those are going to come true? Like maybe one or two, right? Don't clip every idea he has. Don't tell him all the reasons. It's not going to work out. That is very, very demoralizing to him. And that's what makes him tick. You will have a much better guy if you'll let him have his adventure, let him have his goals, let him work towards something, not find all the reasons he can't. 
Guys like mechanical explanations. Women like to tell you a story. <laughs> so I, I feel the phone for our, our business and people call in with home issues. And the guy will call and say, yeah, I have a problem with my dishwasher. Who should I call? <laughs> She'll call in and say, Jennifer, I woke up this morning. It was quarter to five and there was water all the time. <laughs> I went in the dishwasher and I realized the dishes were all dirty. And my kids had to go to school and the dishes were all, you know, okay, I'll get it for you. You know, but that's the way our guys hear us. You know, we just have all this detail that's important enough that he, oh, he doesn't really, he just wants another dishwasher. You know, just tell me what I need to do. So we are so different that way. If you are so wordy that you can't help telling the story, find a good friend. You know, use some of your words on your good friends. You know, your guy will be happier for that. And your sons. And your sons, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of application here for parents. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about this more next week, but that is a very good point, Laura. Okay. It should give you some insight to your sons as well. <clears throat> he hears things differently, okay? If I go to my guy with a problem, I want empathy. I want him to say, oh, poor thing. I know that must be so hard. He never says that. He says things like, well, here's how we could fix that, or here's what we could do. Because he wants things to be okay. That's just the way he's programmed. And if he tells me a problem, I'm going to most likely empathize. But that's not necessarily what he's asking for either. He just wants you to listen. He doesn't want you, oh, poor guy. That's, that really doesn't do a guy, uh, do much for a guy. Guys are just emotionally different ladies. And even if you tell them how you feel and they nod, it doesn't necessarily mean that they understand what you're telling them. And if you marry young, I was 19, my husband was 21. If you marry young, it's really hard. They have no clue. Most of the time, they just have no clue. And neither do we. And I think there's, you know, a good portion of divorce happens in the first year because expectations are so high of what we think comes next. And we get married and we find out this is not what I thought it was going to be. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And this is really applicable to our young people as they approach marrying age. And it's also very important as they grow, as children grow up in your home, that they don't just hear you talk the talk, but that they see you walk the walk. And that you don't use these differences to make fun of your husband in front of your children or roll your eyes or he just doesn't get it. That's very, very disrespectful. We should be teaching our kids to, to respect his differences. And when we do that in front of our sons, that diminishes him too, because most likely he's a lot like his dad. So we need to be really, really careful with our words. But I was thinking about dating, you know. When you're dating and you're being pursued, so wonderful. You get all his attention. You can't wait to get home to you after work or to have a date night or, um, you know, it's the thing that is just all about you. He just wants to be with you. And all through courtship and all through the wedding, it's all about the bride. And he's in pursuit. Remember, he's goal-oriented. What happens when he wins his prize? He sets another goal. And so that wooing doesn't last forever. 
And he's on to the next goal, which is a godly goal of providing for his family. And that doesn't leave him as much space, nor does he probably even see the reason that he should keep ruling. So you need to let him know, hey, I really liked it when. Then let him know you missed those things. But just know it's going to change. And sometimes our expectations when we're young are based on movies and TV and social media. And we don't understand that it's not all about me. It's not going to always be all about me. I, you know, these girls are spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a wedding. And it's, you know, it's just this all-encompassing, amazing experience. And there's really no place left to go. <laughs> right? Then life hits. Life hits. That's a sweet sound. Get all that hair. <laughs> she thinks it'll always, always be like this. We're going to always just have romantic talks and cuddle on the couch. And he's going to bring me flowers. And hug on me and kiss on me all the time. And he gets married and he thinks, okay, done. Got it. Right? And that doesn't make him wrong or anything. That's just the way he's programmed. He's got his accomplishment. He's got what he needs. It's not a trick. It's not deceit. It's built into his character. He doesn't love her any less. His focus has just changed. And we as women, Christian women, need to change that focus. Not rely on him to meet our every emotional need because he's not capable. That's where God comes from. That's what God, our relationship with God does. That's where our fulfillment is. And then we learn how to serve. It's not about what we get from him. It's about how we can serve him, how we can be his helpmate. She can get really lonely. She may not feel as loved. But she, you can invite her to come here. And we'll tell, we'll, we'll encourage her that there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. This is the way, this is the way marriage works, and this is what we do. We, we haven't hit the bottom. There's hope. When we marry, we commit to love our guy. And I think sometimes that's where the big breakdown is. We don't understand what love is. We think love is a feeling. I'm gonna always feel this way. Ladies, you do not feel that way every day. I don't always feel like I love my husband. I'm committed to love him. I, I gave God my vows that I would love him my whole through my whole life, whether he was sick or injured or rich or poor. I vowed that I would always love him. And that means I'll always be his help and I'll always stand by his side. It's not at all what the world presents as love. It does not have room for saying, well, we've outgrown each other. There's just no room for that. There are very rare reasons for divorce in God's economy. We don't hold anyone in disdain who's had a divorce. We work from here forward. And we just try to encourage our women that marriage, God views marriage as very sacred. So when you get married, you have two people who are very much in love and you have two people who are very sinful and that coming together can be really tough. 
We're proud. We're weak. And we want our own way. And what does it say in Psalm 119? Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. If we're willing to walk according to God's ways in our marriage, we'll be blessed. You want to be blessed? We're both on a journey. Remember, we talked about that path isn't a destination. It's a journey. And our husband's on a journey with God, hopefully. If he's not, we'll win him without a word, praying for that. But if we're both Christians, we're both walking on the path, you know, we may be about the same place. He may pass. I may pass. Maybe a little backtrack, you know. So we're, we're in different places. But we're both on this journey. But our love can be whittled away if we don't stay on that path. Let's look at Psalm 119.16. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. We come here. We, we get bathed in God's word and encouragement to go home and love our husbands and our children. And we walk in the door and we fall apart, don't we? Or at, least, at the very least, by next Wednesday, we've kind of forgotten. But what sustains us is if we delight in God's word and we have a continuous desire. As the psalmist shows us to, to want to keep those testimonies, to rely on God for strength. Switch over here to um, verse 92 and 93. It says, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Unless your law had been my delight. It takes time in God's word to find that delight. And it takes the more years you spend in that, the more delight you will find. Um, and there's a little card back there. Who picked one up that's close to me with the four verses? Can I borrow that? When we're preparing to go to God's word, remember we covered these verses at the beginning of the year. I wanted to tell you, we reprinted these and they are correct now. So if you already got one, there's a fresh one back there today with all the right verses. Um, Psalm 119.36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. So when I'm preparing to go to God's word, this isn't a self-help book. There have been a lot of years I spent looking at this as a self-help book. Oh, gosh, I'm having trouble. Let me see. What verses apply to me? Oh, that one. That's not how God's word works. He asks us to look, to open our eyes, to incline our heart to his word. Listen to what he has to say. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. God is the one who opens our eyes. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. When we're convicted of sin, what should we do? We confess that sin. We confess it to God and he cleanses our heart all over again. And then we can see. If our life is full of sin, if we choose our own way, and then we go to God's word, we're not going to see what God has to say. We talked last week about forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a big, big part of walking in his way, especially in our marriages. 
And if we refuse to forgive, what does he say? Then he refuses to forgive us. And in that state, we do not have fellowship with Jesus. We cannot hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us and our hearts become hard. And then nobody can reach us. God can't, you know, God's not going to bust through there. We have to confess. And then we have hardness of heart towards our families. Psalm 8611, unite my heart to fear your name. We all have divided hearts. We have an old nature. We have a sin nature. And it still eats at us. And it's still got habits that live in us. And then we have the Holy Spirit and our new creature. We are a new creature. God says, this, the psalmist says, bring my heart together. Help me not to be pulled apart between the old and the new. Help me to walk in your way, not in my way. And then Psalm 9014 says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Psalm 9014. And I'm going to say that means look to him before you have problems. Right? We're not going to wait until, oh, God, I just don't have time. This is such a busy season in my life. I just can't possibly spend time in your words. Look for him in the morning. What does that mean? First thing. We look for him first. And everything else will fall into place. So if you don't have one of these, it's just called the IOUs. And that represents the first letter of each um, verse. And it's just a great, great way to, to start your time in the, in the Word. So. Do I love God's way and his counsel and his word? Or do I love my way and my rights? Ooh, my rights. Lines right up there with pride, doesn't it? I deserve, I want, I need. Me, 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 me. And if I don't protect my heart with God's word, what I loved about my man in the first place would be the very thing that begins to annoy me. He was strong. Oh, he was so strong, and now he's overbearing. Mm -hmm. He was laid back, and now he's so lazy. You know, it's this reverse thinking. The things that we loved about him in the first place, we're not careful, ladies. We'll lose our, our fondness and our affection. I love this verse in verse 37. Still in, one, in Psalm 119. It says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Lady, how much time do we spend looking at worthless things? You see people looking down, you think they're praying, but what are they doing? Looking at Facebook and looking at their phones. Wasting my time. Worthless things. Another worthless thing is to compare. Compare my husband to my friend's husband. Compare my husband to my father or my brother. Comparing. That's deadly. I don't think anybody just, well, I won't ask you because you wouldn't admit it. But <laughs> if you're still reading romance novels, don't. That would go along with soap operas, right? These men are depicted as perfect, sensitive gentlemen, right? And she's just swept off her feet and he's everything. There is no man like exist in those romance novels or maybe TV and the movies. Those are worthless things. I'm not saying all entertainment's wrong. 
I'm just saying, where is the main point of your focus? Where are you getting your ideas? Where is your counsel coming from? Where should our counsel come from? From God's word. Look at verse 97 and 98. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. I meditated on it all the day. Ladies, I have to leave room for that meditation. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. Where does wisdom come from? His word. That's where our counsel comes from. It's where our wisdom comes from. And we should be really careful that we choose wise friends. And then in this sense, counsel, uh, you know, it could just be where I learn from. But counsel in the, in the scenario of needing help, be really, really careful, ladies, where you seek counsel. Naomi always taught us that women should counsel women because that's what it says in Titus 2. If we go to a man for counsel, and I'm not saying that's always wrong. I know there's great pastors. But that can lead to the man just being really sympathetic with the woman. Oh, and he's not hearing both sides of the story, right? He can be very sympathetic, and that has led to some uh, relationship issues. Also, it doesn't address her sin as needed. So we need to be really careful that we're going to someone who is not just our friend, but loves God more than they love us. And they're willing to point us toward God and not just to buy into all of our stuff. We can just, we have a tendency to want to build our own armies. You know, hey, this happened to me. Don't you think that's terrible? You know, we want everybody to agree with us. Just be really, really, really careful. You know, if you turn to the wrong person, uh, just maybe casually mention it to a neighbor or, or not. Um, so not a friend who's in a good place. Um, your issues could be gossiped about. Be shared with people they shouldn't. They may take your side and remain forever mad. I mean, you talk about talking to your mom or your sisters. You know, you work through those issues with your husband, but they don't. And so they hold this, they harbor these feelings against him. Be really careful to re protect him in that way. Find somebody who's outside of that realm. You may tell a friend and she decides she's going to take his side. And that can open up a bag of so just be careful who you talk to. And any of the leaders here are always happy to talk and to counsel and to be honest with you. We do not counsel divorce, by the way, and we, um, we, we only counsel women. So if there's a lot of times, I mean, we've had so hundreds, Dee, maybe thousands of marriages um, improved, saved through Christown. Christown is now at 65 years old. And women come, they've never heard this, and their heart changes. And when their heart changes, then it opens new doors in their relationship in a good way. But if we do have a couple that will counsel, if you have a husband that's willing to come, and uh, they do a wonderful job. So just let us know if you need encouragement and help. So part of this being in the way of God's way is to let our husbands lead, right? And I just want to turn to Ephesians 5 shortly. This is a pretty powerful verse. I'm not going to do it justice just reading it, but uh, I just want you to see it if you've never seen it. Guys, eat potato chips. <laughs> Thank you, Joni. 
That means Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. There you go. Okay. So when you go home, your husband homework is to read Ephesians 22 through 33. So I'm just going to kind of skip through here on some things that pertain to what we're talking about today. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. If he's right. Oh, doesn't say that, does it? It says, <laughs> it says obey him in your own husbands in everything. And then the next section talks to husbands. Encourages them to love their wives as God, as Christ loves the church. And then down in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And here's for us, ladies. And let the wife see to it, depending on your version there, let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. So I don't see where it's asking us to wait till he proves he deserves our respect. Oh, you just don't know my guy. No, he doesn't deserve my respect. No, it says, see to it. See to it that she respects her husband. And sometimes, ladies, we just have to listen to ourselves. You know, we may, we may feel we respect him. I'll give, you some, I'll give you a scary thing to do. Go home and ask him, do you think I respect you? If he be ready for the answer, there may be things that surprise you. He feels disrespected and you never meant it that way, but this is what he hears. My sweet husband, when he was convalescing, uh, tells me the worst day of his life. <laughs> well, as I took him to the doctor, and, and I have to explain myself. He'd had a brain injury, right? He was very weak. He was blind in one eye. And we were crossing the street. And I said, well, I said, well, watch the step and let's go this way. That was the worst day of his life, apparently. <laughs> because I told him how to do it. But it made him feel very, very less. <laughs> Ladies, so what if he fallen? You know, I think it'd been better for him to fall than for me to mother him. Our guys do not want to be mothered. They didn't marry their mother. They didn't marry their sister. They married their girlfriend. <laughs> they want to be respected. And, you know, I've been coming to Christown since I was a very young woman. And I've been in this position. I don't know, Carol Mason, I have to tell me. I think maybe 10 years or more as director. And we still have moments where my husband feels disrespected. He, he, as I was walking out this morning, he goes, well, let me know how you do. I said, well, you'll have to tell me because <laughs> I'm teaching on love husband. He said, well, that's a tough job. And I said, well, I think your job is tough. But that's the humility that comes with being married for 46 years. That doesn't happen in the first year. Not generally. So listen to yourself. And, and ask yourself, what difference does it make when he's telling the story and he gets one of the details wrong? Let it go. Respect his ab ability to tell a story. Respect his ability to drive. I have to tell you, with one eye, he wanted to drive, and it was scary. 
really scary. But one morning, I'll just give you this. One morning, he woke up and he's doing this. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I can see. So now we have one and a half eyes, so it's a little better. <laughs> but what's more important to us, our way or God's way? Respect is a huge thing. A man would rather be respected than loved. Did you know that? Shanti Feldman has a whole book on what what's important to a man. And the most important thing for him is to be respected. And he will often tell you, I know you love me. Just don't think you respect me. Do you argue with his decisions? Do you ask his opinion and not take it? Do you accuse him of not being a leader, but you step in ahead of him and make all the decisions? Here's some things. Just know that your guy a lot of times won't compete for that um, that headship. And if you are a spiritual woman who spends a lot of time in Bible study and you're very versed and very knowledgeable, he may feel intimidated. Do not hold that over his head. Men are wired differently, and the chances are he's much closer to, to the Lord than you give him credit. Just because he doesn't know, you know, Psalm 119 or whatever, he's got his own walk, the Lord. Ours looks different. Women love knowledge. We love this. We love books and papers and pencils and notes and questions and tests. They don't love that. Their relationship is different. Let them have it. When you have a question on the way home from church, don't say, I need to ask the pastor that. Ask him that. What do you think about that, honey? Do you have an opinion about that? And you know what? You better give him time to answer. Because it's not going to be on the tip of his tongue. It takes him a while. And if he doesn't say anything, you know, ask him, do you, are you thinking? I always have to ask my husband, are you thinking? <laughs> and sometimes he's like, no, there's nothing there. You know, but sometimes he's like, sometimes he's like, yes, just give me some time. I'll get back to you. <laughs> because generally his, his answers are very well thought out. I'm, more quick, I'm like, ah, of course it's this. Sometimes when I spot out my, of course it's this, Rosie will say, Jennifer, really. they'll call me out. Ask him what he thinks about the sermon. Ask him what his favorite part was. Ask him how you can pray for him as he leaves the house. How can I support you today? Seek his counsel. Assure him, ladies. Assure them that you respect him and love him by adoring him. Does he feel adored? Or does he feel like your little kid? That one hurts, doesn't it? Do I do it? Does my husband know that I adore him? Do I bother to tell him? Or do I just think he knows? Do I appreciate him? Do I thank him for things that He's supposed to do anyway, like taking out the trash or whatever. Does he feel appreciated or do I just keep driving him new stuff? Okay, you did that. Now go do that. Up the ladder. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do I admire him? Hey, you are so strong. Thank you for doing that. With those muscles. Look at you. Accept him as he is. I love you. If, you, if you're this way the rest of your life, I'll love you. I love you today. I love you the way you are today. Let 
Ladies, if that's all you work on this week, four A's. Adore, appreciate, admire, and accept. Look for ways to show him those things. I don't do it all at once. You might scare him. <laughs> What's going on? What does she want? She wants something. We're not doing these things to manipulate. We're not, we don't want anything back. We just want him to know that we love him. We're not trying to control him. Ladies, we need to learn to communicate with respect. Think about, you know, I'm not saying in all these things that we don't have our opinion and that we don't disagree ever. You know, that help me part. We see things, we have intuition, we have emotional, I don't really like this word, emotional intelligence, whatever that is. But we have, you know, we have a sense about things. And that's part of what he needs to make decisions. Now, my husband of one year of marriage never wanted to hear those things. My husband of, you know, later years would ask me before he made any decision because over time he began to see that, that was really valuable. But when they're young and dependent and full of testosterone, they don't really want to hear it. And that's okay. It just takes time. Wait for it. Wait for it. Um, you know, pick good times to talk. Don't banter him when he comes in the door. Don't, if he's not a morning person, don't slam him with it the minute he wakes up, right? Write it down if you have to. You know, I think he, I think they like it. I, this was a suggestion from a gentleman. Write it down. And I think the reason they might like that is because it's limited to that many words. Right? It's not like going to go on and on. But, and then don't make him guess. You know, I tried that for years with my guy. You know, just the sour face, the prune face. He never got it. He never paid any attention to that. Don't make him guess. Let him know. How many times do you hear about a divorce where the guy had absolutely no idea how unhappy she was? That's not fair. And you may make him mad. And he may not like what you have to say, but you say it in the most kind, respectful, generous way you know how. Don't accuse him. Don't assume the worst. Assume the best of him. Be generous in your opinion of him. Honey, I know you probably didn't mean to do this. Or Think of a way to say it where you're not putting him on the defensive and hurting him on purpose. There are women who like to hurt their guy. They want to get even. They like to say, I told you so. Don't ever say, be generous, be kind. If we take all the things that God teaches us in relationships and apply it at home, that's what God wants of us. But no, we go home and we turn into something else. What is that? We're hardest on our guys and our children. I guess, I don't know what that is. That's just that desire. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It's that curse to want to rule over everybody and everything. And I wanted to close with this thought, ladies. Uh, you know, the idea of what do we do when he's going through a hard time or when he's suffering? First of all, realize that those circumstances are not a surprise to God. You know, so many times we want to change our guy or fix our guy, but we can't. But then maybe God's bringing something into his life to change his heart. And we step in. You know, don't try to buffer that. Stand beside him. Offer him empathy. Do what you can, but don't stand in between 
him in trials. Why, why does God allow trials in our lives? So we can empathize with others and so that we grow co- closer to the Lord. I'm a fixer. You know, I, um, I think I'm more guilty of that with my children than my husband, that desire to get in and fix things so that somebody doesn't have to hurt. That hurt is what changes us, is what makes us grow. I know it's for myself, but I have to realize it for my husband and my children too. Look at uh, Psalm 119.75. It says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. God's affliction comes to those who love him. So it's really important not to step in and mother our husbands or to interfere with our children. Let them reap the natural consequences of things. So you have your husband's homework. You're going to read Ephesians 5, 22 to the end. I think it's 32. You're going to go home and you're going to figure out how to show your husband that you adore him, appreciate him, admire him, and accept him. And if you don't feel those things, it doesn't matter. And if you don't feel he deserves those things, that doesn't matter. I would suggest that you pray. Ask God to open your heart, incline your heart. And you know what's fun about this? Is when you do it, the feelings fall. Because then you understand and you start to believe it. And you start to see it, and maybe you'll see more and more. And maybe after some time, it won't be so hard. But we forget those first days of love and how much he was so perfect. And then by the time we live together for some years and have children, life comes in and we have issues and illness and companies and business and work. We can lose heart if we don't, we lose our way. Let's close in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I just pray for um, open hearts, open ears, open minds to your word. I pray, Lord, that the families that are represented in this room and in the Zoom, Lord, I pray that the husbands in those homes would feel an extra measure of love this week. And I pray, Lord, that the women would feel an extra measure of love from you knowing, Lord, that you've given us everything we need, everything we need to live in your way. In Jesus' name.